mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, a report out this month by the local After Hours Task Force points to some significant shortcomings in Findlay's effort to attract and retain the young talent it needs to keep the community vibrant and growing. We'll take a closer look. Also this morning, there's much discussion about the role of artificial intelligence in schools, but what about augmented reality? Does this other hot technology have a place in the classroom? And is your house haunted? This time of year, every creak and groan grabs our attention, but it's probably not a sign of otherworldly spirits. It's more likely a sign of some overdue maintenance. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Monday, October 23rd, 2023. This is kind of big news. I definitely wanted to point this out right out of the gate this morning. The first thing you need to know this morning, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day, a new analysis has found the most underrated tourist locations, tourist spots in each and every state. Uh, They look at museums, historical sites, etc., etc., etc. And what they were looking for were tourist spots, tourist attractions that had very few reviews, but the ones they did have were glowing, were very, very positive uh, reviews. And I thought that's that's a pretty good criteria. Not many reviews, but the ones that they have are very, very positive, very favorable. And uh, for example, uh, if you go, go to Nevada and you think tourist attractions in Nevada, you think the Las Vegas Strip, uh, you think Fremont Street, um, you might uh, go to Reno or Lake Tahoe, something like that. But the most underrated tourist location in Nevada is the Las Vegas Cigar Outlet. All right. Uh, let's see here. In Illinois, it is the Galena Spoon Factory. <laughs> it's the most underrated tourist location. In New York, I mean, here, here again, in New York, you think all the things you can do. You can go to the Empire State Building, Statue of Liberty. Problem is, you go to any of those well-known landmarks, you're going to be battling crowds, and you're just kind of going along with the crowd yourself, right? You want to do something a little bit different, a little off the beaten path in New York, head to Bill's Place. It's the best live jazz in the city. And apparently very few people know about it. But it is a tremendous spot to visit. Uh, in California, <laughs> the uh, most forget the Hollywood sign, forget the uh, Walk of Fame, uh, forget the Griffith Observatory, you know, all of these things that you could go see while you're in Los Angeles. Uh, the Medieval Torture Museum <laughs> is ranked the most underrated tourist location, the Medieval Torture Museum. It has 4.84 stars. So, um, and the most underrated, and this is why I bring it up, the most underrated hidden gem in Ohio, the Basilica and National Shrine of Our Lady of Consolation in Cary. Judge number one in the state of Ohio. With 4.97 stars. So, pretty impressive there. Again, a hidden gem uh, in the uh, state of Ohio. If you've never been, you need to go. Congratulations, OLC. Uh, Making it to uh, number one of the most underrated tourist attractions in the state of Ohio. That was kind of interesting. Did you uh, watch any college football over the weekend? Buckeyes with a big win. Michigan with an even bigger win over uh, rival in-state rival Michigan State. There is a, a big controversy in that game. And no, we're not talking about the Michigan sign-stealing controversy. Did you hear about the big controversy at the Michigan-Michigan State game? Apparently about an hour and a half before the game started uh, at Michigan State University, on the big video board, they... Uh, presented a trivia quiz it was a uh, it was a visual trivia quiz you know just something to kill time before the game starts about an hour and a half uh, before the uh, before kickoff and uh, so during the pregame activities uh, they had a uh, a trivia quiz and one of the one of the questions was 
where was Adolf Hitler born? And they had a big image of Adolf Hitler on the scoreboard. And uh, that I, apparently somebody snapped a photo of it, posted it online. So this went viral and now a big controversy. Uh, a school spokesperson said the material was provided by a third-party source and that the university will no longer use that source. By the way, the third-party source in question is basically a YouTube channel, and the creator of the channel said that the university did not ask for permission before using it in the first place. But uh, anyway, university officials are apologizing. They say they won't use this source again, and uh, so it is a big brouhaha over the uh, uh, pregame image on the uh, on the scoreboard Michigan State University and then they went out and lost to Michigan 49 to nothing so I don't know it was just a very bad day for Michigan State <laughs> all the way around I guess uh let's see here the actor strike continues in Hollywood and I don't know if you uh, caught this last week sag aftera put out a flyer on <laughs> How to dress for Halloween and remain in solidarity with striking actors. Um, they they uh, recommended that people dress up like general characters like witches and ghosts instead of specific characters from movies like Barbie or, you know, the, the uh, Marvel superheroes, DC uh, superheroes, you know, that are... Uh, big at the uh, box office. Uh, Ryan Reynolds actually poked fun at the guidelines. Uh, he, of course, uh, plays... Um, was it... Um, which which one of the... I don't remember. Anyway, he played Deadpool. Yeah, Deadpool. He's uh, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But anyway, he made fun of the, uh, of the guidelines from SAG-AFTRA on how people should dress for Halloween, saying, I look forward to screaming, Scab! At my eight-year-old all night. <laughs> now sag after after taking some heat for telling people how to dress for Halloween to stay in solidarity with the uh, striking actors, they now say that their costume guide- guidelines do not apply to kids. The union clarified their goal was to help their members avoid promoting works that are they're now striking against. And uh, it was never their intention uh, for kids to uh, have to follow the guidelines. So they say that now after the uh, backlash. But <laughs> So don't dress up as any of the uh, Marvel superheroes because the actors are on strike. Yeah, right. Uh, by the way, speaking of uh, trick-or-treats coming up uh, this week, well, the end of the week uh, here locally, some communities are, are doing it during the week. Um, you know, it used to be when we were kids that, uh, whether it was Halloween or really any time of the year, we hated the fact that our, our parents would be constantly checking up on us, right? You remember when you were a kid, you hated that? Well, not so much these days. Uh, it says here in this, uh, in this piece on the uh, newswire, I thought it was kind of interesting. Gone are the days when teenagers snuck out of their houses and lied to their parents about where they were going. Gen Z actually prefer that their parents track their every move. Teenagers these days are happy for their parents to track their location using those tracking apps on their phones. And every kid has a phone. You can track your kids wherever they go. And uh, kids say they welcome that because it decreases their anxiety about abductions and terrorist attacks and shooters, you know, shooting incidents, that kind of thing. According to this report, um, some families actually are turning to an app that allows friends and family members to track each other's whereabouts through a location-sharing, family-oriented private social network. Uh, young people nowadays are exposed to nonstop news of war, terrorism, pandemics, murders, kidnapping, and more through social media, which provides graphic images and terrifying videos to illustrate those scary situations. And it's driving the point home to kids because of the heightened sense of awareness about the dangers that are out there. 
Youngsters feel safer knowing that their parents can see where they are at all times and come to the rescue if need be. A recent survey found that 94% of Gen Z Americans say their life benefits from location sharing. 72% of Gen Z women believe that their physical well-being benefits from location sharing. So kids are much more open to this than uh, what they were generations ago. I know that there are always, you know, the questions that come up with uh, location sharing and, and all of that personal privacy and all of that, but apparently young people uh, today feel that the, uh, the dangers of society uh, warrant uh, having their location tracked anywhere and everywhere they go. Kind of interesting. I guess it is just a sign of the times. There you go. Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Monday morning started. WFIN News. I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather. Mostly sunny today with a high around 60, partly cloudy tonight, uh, low in the mid 40s. Dr. C. Richard Beckett has passed away. He was a highly successful and well-respected veterinarian in Finley for years, and was a great friend of the University of Finley. He joined UF's Board of Trustees in 1985 and became chair in 2002. UF President Dr. Catherine Fell. His enthusiasm for this wonderful campus and for the faculty, the staff, the students here was infectious, and it was genuine. Dr. Beckett spent more than 40 years helping UF educate students. He was 88 years old. Get more on his life and his contributions to the community and the story on our website. The Ohio governor's office says a new soybean processing plant will bring more than 100 new jobs to Upper Sandusky. The company, which is a leading merchant and processor of agricultural goods, will invest approximately $500 million to construct a new plant in Wyandotte County, bolstering the region's economic growth in the critical food and agriculture sector. The governor's office says there are approximately 26,000 soybean farmers in Ohio, and the annual economic impact from soybean production is $5.3 billion. Get more on this new plant in the story on our website. A group of more than 20 people in northwest Ohio was supposed to have departed for a long-awaited trip to Israel, but the war in the Middle East changed that plan. The pastor at St. John the 23rd Parish in Perrysburg was spearheading the trip for the fourth time. The other three times were canceled due to COVID. And the tragedy playing out half a world away forced the trip to get canceled yet again. WTOL 11's Amanda Fay reporting. Fans of the Ohio State Buckeyes now have more options to show their school spirit on their vehicles. The Script Ohio and Brutus Buckeye license plates are joining the Block O, the University Spirit Mark, and the Ohio State University Marching Band designs. Now, according to Ohio State, more than $12 million in scholarships have come from license plates. ONN's Gabriela Garcia reporting. Don't forget, you can always get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. Matt Demchek for 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. So now to our cover story this morning, a very interesting report out earlier this month by the local After Hours Task Force points to some significant shortcomings, I guess for lack of a better term, in Findlay's effort to attract and retain the young talent that it will need to keep the community vibrant and growing. Uh, Sarah Perigo is a project specialist for Finley-Hencock County Economic Development, uh, who is responsible for uh, doing the research, putting this uh, report together. And Sarah, thanks very much for uh, taking the time. We certainly appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having um, me. So I want to get into some of the specifics in terms of the recommendations in the report uh, that, that were made, uh, because I, I think that's one of the most valuable things about the report is that you did have some tangible, specific suggestions. Um, but I'm curious, what has been the reception to this, I mean, this came out what a couple three weeks ago, so folks have had a chance to digest it. What has been the feedback that you've that you've gotten from this? Yeah, overall, the feedback has been very positive. Last week, I had the opportunity to speak with five different community organizations. I think they're excited. They're looking forward to how they can engage with these recommendations. So we're looking forward to seeing what comes out of it. Because sometimes it can be hard to hear 
uh, things that are less than glowing about the community. I mean, to hear that there are shortcomings, I mean, especially those who are uh, in a position to do something about a lot of the, a lot of times these are individuals who have grown up here. They've lived here their entire lives, very proud of the community and under, understandably so. So to hear that there are shortcomings can be sometimes a hard pill to swallow. Yeah, I think from my standpoint, I like to look at them as opportunities for growth mm-hmm. rather than shortcomings. And yeah. yeah, there might be changes and sometimes change is difficult, but I think, <laughs> you know, the community can really sit down, think about what's best for our long-term future and, and come to conclusions together. So some of the recommendations uh, that you outline in the report are things that are not necessarily new. For example, one that stood out, that jumped out to me was the recommendation for uh, more housing downtown that is accessible at a price point to younger professionals that is a, that is designed for them, singles or couples, no kids, that kind of thing. But this has long been an issue uh, that's been uh, discussed. So is this something that can really move the needle on that? Because it's been a challenge for many years. Yeah, I think a lot of the recommendations in here are things that have been talked about in the past and by groups beyond just young professionals. But we hope that by putting this in a comprehensive report, it can really serve as a blueprint. It's, you know, it's an established voice. And so how do we take this momentum and put it into action? And in a similar uh, in a similar way, you talk about uh, attracting some of the um, businesses or opportunities to the community for young people that younger uh, adults are are interested in. And uh, again, as Dan Schaefer, your your boss at uh, at Economic mm-hmm. Development, uh, will say and has said on this program, it can be a challenge to to uh, attract certain types of of businesses and entities to the community. I mean, businesses decide where and how and when they're going to expand, and we kind of have to go with with the flow. So how do you attract those particular specific industries or businesses to an area? Yeah, absolutely. So the recommendations here that are best suited for those private business partners Mm -hmm. are going to be some of the tougher ones yeah um the hope is that if there's excitement around it around this if they know that young professionals in finley want this if we can generate a conversation that will be more attractive for them rather than them taking the leap coming to finley when there's not excitement around what they would be bringing so talk a little bit about some of the other recommendations uh, that are uh, in the report. We mentioned a couple of them, but there are a number of uh, recommendations that you outline. Yeah, so one of the big ones that I didn't think was going to be a big one was infrastructure and transportation. Um, <laughs> we had a great conversation around that, about the need for non-automotive-focused infrastructure. So mm-hmm. walking, biking, not just hopping in your car, driving to Walmart. Um, so that was that was a big thing, some sort of comprehensive network of trails. Um, and then I think you hear this a lot, the walkable, vibrant downtown. Mm-hmm. The young professionals are moving to urban areas more. Mm-hmm. They have those walkable, vibrant downtowns. That's what they want. And so if we can emulate that in Findlay on a scale that works for Findlay, that would be fantastic. That's the key is finding that that scale because uh, we're not going to be an urban center no. the way Toledo or Columbus or you know Cincinnati mm-hmm. uh, are. This is uh, going to be a very different vibe, which leads to one of the other uh, suggestions uh, was to maybe incorporate some uh, trips and getaways mm-hmm. to enjoy some of those things that aren't available locally but are available relatively nearby. Yeah, so the regional connectivity conversation was it's probably one of the more challenging ones to accomplish, but it could be really great if we all put our heads together and figure out how this can happen. And so the where that started was Finley is great. It's great to live here, work here. It has that small town, safe, secure feel. Mm-hmm. But like you said, we can't have everything the big cities have. And if young professionals want that, 
how do we convince them that they can still access those opportunities easily and live here at the same time? You bring up a good point. I mean, again, one of the things that Findlay prides itself on is the fact that it is a smaller, closer-knit community, safer, that kind of thing. Do young professionals value that? I mean, again, they they want those uh, recreation and entertainment uh, activities that a larger city would be able to uh, offer that Finley may not be able to offer, but do they value those those things that Finley does bring to the table? I think it's a balance. Um, so yes, they do want those opportunities, but at the same time, it's easier to feel grounded and connected to a place mm-hmm. if you feel secure, if you feel like you can walk down the sidewalks and yeah. say hi to people that you know. So yeah. you just need to find that balance between the two. And with respect to, you know, uh, those uh, opportunities, uh, maybe like day trips to mm-hmm. you know uh, other communities, uh, the bigger cities to uh, enjoy those uh, opportunities that don't exist here. The question then becomes, who takes the lead uh, on that? Are we are we talking about existing organizations? Are we talking about creating a new entity to uh, focus on on that kind of opportunity, or is that kind of open for interpretation? Yeah, that is the million-dollar question that we're, <laughs> we're moving towards now as we identify the actionable items. I think a lot, a lot of what is in here can be accomplished by existing organizations, either by themselves, in partnerships with others. I think there's just some rethinking, um, remarketing, restructuring that can be considered. The same, uh, a similar um, rethinking is probably what you're talking about with the uh, – with the idea of creating more things to do in town. Mm-hmm. Um, we think of a lot of the events that we do have, some very good ones, Oktoberfest just recently yes. uh, downtown. Uh, but we go out of our way to make these things family friendly, which is not necessarily what young professionals are uh, looking at first and foremost, because they don't have family. Right, yeah. One of the first things that I heard when I moved to town was that Finley's a great place to raise a family, which is fantastic. We should embrace that. But there is a way to program things both for families and for that 22 to 35-year-old range that mm-hmm. maybe they don't have young children. Yeah. And so we can do both. It's not an either-or. It's just a matter of adding that programming for the young professionals. So the reaction has been positive. Mm-hmm. Uh, sounds like uh, it's been embraced uh, by the powers that be, as it were, those that you have talked to. What kind of a timeline are you talking about here? I mean, this is not obviously going to happen overnight. So what do you envision? I think it it varies based on the recommendation. So there mm-hmm. are some, I don't want to say low-hanging fruit, but there are some easier <laughs> things to accomplish, like consolidating all of the adult rec leagues in a single place so people know where to find those. Mm-hmm. That's probably accomplishable on a short-term basis. Yeah. The regional connectivity conversation is going to be longer that's going to be term. longer yeah yes. um well and and you mentioned uh non-automotive transportation trails mm-hmm. and so on yep. there's already discussion about uh some uh, expanding some yes. of that yep. so yeah some of those conversations are are underway as we mentioned affordable housing has mm-hmm. long been a, uh, a question talk about why all of this is important i mean again for some folks who look at this and and say well this is interesting but why is it important in from an economic development standpoint? Yeah, so I think that really tracks back to how this all started. And it was at an economic development advisory board meeting. And anecdotally, the, the people sitting around the table, which are employers in our community, were talking about how hard it is to retain talent, mm-hmm. especially young talent. Mm-hmm. And we need that talent here to support our employers. We need that talent here to have a vibrant community that employers want to come to because they're not going to want to be in a community that doesn't embrace it. Um, And so it's just integral to having a happy, successful, um, healthy economic. What we we talk about the reaction that you, that you got from the report. What about while you were compiling the data and talking with young professionals who are here, what was their reaction to, to people who are actually interested in, making this a better community. I mean, I, w- I would guess that they welcome the opportunity to say, yeah, this is important uh, to us, and maybe our voices haven't been heard up to now. 
Yeah, I was very fortunate. Um, the people that were with me on the task force came to every meeting with enthusiasm and passion. They were so excited. They care about Findlay. They want to see it thrive. And I think even as I've gone out and talked to other young professionals that weren't on the task force, they're equally excited by what it could come out of this. We've got a link up on our webpage for uh, more information, to, uh, a link to the actual report itself. It is uh, very comprehensive. It's like 20 plus pages yes. <laughs> uh, of data and uh, is really worth a read. If you get the opportunity, you can go to goodmornings.net and uh, and get more information. Again, uh, Sarah Perigo is a uh, project specialist for Findlay Hancock County Economic Development. Sarah, thanks very much for dropping by. We appreciate it. Yes, thank you. <laughs> Well, you know, we've talked about whether artificial intelligence has a place in schools, but what about augmented reality? That's another hot technology that holds great promise, but how can it be incorporated into the classroom? Snap Incorporated is teaming up with InSpirit to help do that. They believe it can revolutionize the way students learn, and they want to prove its positive impact. Joining us are Sofia Dominguez, Director of AR Platform Partnerships and Ecosystem at Snap, along with the co-founder and CEO of InSpirit, Amrutha Vasan. Uh, Sofia, let me start with you, first of all. Talk a little bit about what augmented reality is and what it is capable of for those who may not really be familiar. Let's step back a little bit here. Yes, I uh, love the table setting. So many of you have probably experienced augmented reality, but might not even know it. So augmented reality, which is also commonly referred to as AR, is a way to layer something digital over the real physical world, usually looking through your phone. This can be anything from really playful dog ears to displaying helpful information about the world right in front of you. More than 250 million Snapchatters engage with our augmented reality technology every single day, and we really believe that there's so much AR can do. So that's why we're really excited to partner with InSpirit to bring the magic of AR onto their own platform for classroom education. And honestly, it's just been really fun to work with them to uncover what's possible leveraging this technology. Okay, so we talk about revolutionizing the way students learn, but frankly, we hear that a lot. Anytime something new comes down the pike it is hyped up as being revolutionary what makes you believe that this will stand up beyond the hype how can augmented reality be applied to classroom learning in such a way that it will have that kind of impact yeah so the augmented reality is already being used to enhance communication and creativity and, and really there's just so much more potential for education so augmented reality can help simplify complex concepts like math and science lessons by creating hands-on learning experiences without blocking out the real world, whether students are learning from the classroom or at home. Yeah, so the really thing about augmented reality is you can extend your reality, right? So you can do things that were dangerous, impossible, or just really expensive to do in the real world, and you can bring those learning experiences to students. So in some of the curriculum that we developed, um, with our partnership with SNAP, we actually had students learn how to um, basically calculate the volume of a cylinder or a cone, and then they used these um, learnings to then design a rocket that they would then launch in augmented reality. They would calculate, you know, the volumes of different planets in the night sky. And so it's just really a great tool for students to use to build their engagement and confidence in really complex topics in STEM. Okay, so I can see where it would be rather difficult to actually build a physical rocket in the classroom. So doing this through augmented reality certainly makes a whole lot of uh, more sense and, and would probably be safer and more cost-effective, uh, to be sure. Talk a little bit about this partnership uh, between InSpirit, your company, and Snap to bring this technology into the classroom, because that's the other barrier quite often is uh, making it accessible for students. Of course, and that's one of our core missions. So, so our mission really is to make STEM learning more interactive and engaging, as well as accessible for all students through our digital platform, the Innovative Learning Hub. And so we partnered with SNAP to help propel that forward with their AR technology. And so as part of this partnership, we conducted a case study 
through our research at Stanford University to kind of measure the impact of AR in the classroom by building an interactive AR geometry curriculum for middle schoolers. So as you probably know, many people haven't grasped the true advantages of AR learning just yet. And that's why we work directly with educators to develop this interactive curriculum to ensure that we actually drove real student outcomes. And we found that AR increased student engagement by 50%, and the students also believe that it improved their memory and their knowledge retention. Now, you mentioned geometry at the middle school level as one application of this. Can you share more information on what types of curriculums will be implemented into the classroom using this technology moving forward? Of course. So we're really excited because we're creating 25 more lenses that are powered by SNAP AR that are going to be focused on STEM curriculum across the board. So we're going to focus on physics, chemistry, biology, earth science, as well as math for middle school and for high school students. And we're planning on rolling this out to at least 50 schools nationwide in the next school year. And we're planning on integrating those learnings that we got from the case study into these new lenses that we developed. And we are just so excited to create a powerful AR learning tool that truly impacts student outcomes. And as a bit of a sidebar, I mean, we talk about applying this technology uh, to curriculums for these other subjects, but I would imagine, given that it itself is an emerging technology, uh, uh, augmented reality itself can be a curriculum or a subject of study. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. We actually launched um, SNAP for a, a SNAP AR Learning Hub as well earlier this year, um, and it's a way for us to start educating more and more people about how to use Lens Studio, which is our AR tool, why augmented reality is going to be important, and to help kind of set up the the future workforce for um, the many different fields and types of people that'll be working in this industry. And so I think that the work that Inspirit is doing um, around educating uh, these middle school and high schoolers with augmented reality is, is really setting up that, that future workforce, and that's another reason why we're very excited to work with them. Is yet another technology that is changing not just what students learn, but the way they learn. Again, Sofia Dominguez is director of AR Platform Partnerships and Ecosystem at SNAP. And uh, also with us, Amrutha Vasan, the co-founder and CEO of InSpirit. Where do we get more information on all of this? You can head over to InSpiritVR.com to learn more, and you can also download a free demo to try out some of these experiences. Ladies, thank you both for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. This is Good Mornings with Chris Oaks on 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com and 95.5 FM. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. And we begin with the international file this morning. Police, here's another uh, mistaken identity story. Uh, Police closed off an English road for 31 hours after reports of a dead body uh, being found. However, the crime scene (laughs) turned out to be just uh, the the dead body uh, turned out to be just a very dirty adult doll. (laughs) Someone taking a walk along the side of the road was shocked to find an arm and a leg sticking out from the bushes in the uh, village of Kineton notified the authorities, which is exactly what you should do if something like that, uh, if you see something like that and it alarms you. It is with great relief that we can announce that the pathologist was able to identify that the foot and hand beneath the bush did in fact belong to a discarded and realistic life-size doll. (laughs) What I want to know in this story uh, is why it took 31 hours... To figure that out, the road was closed for 31 hours. (laughs) Uh, But they finally uh, decided that it wasn't actually a dead body. It was just a uh, discarded adult doll. All right. All's well that ends well after 31 hours. Also from the international file this morning, this actually happened um, in Paris a man attempted to climb to scale the exterior of the Eiffel Tower. Happened uh, Thursday of 
last week, was it? Yeah, Thursday of last week. Uh, Obviously, he was uh, caught, he was arrested, but during the incident, while this guy was scaling the Eiffel Tower and police were trying to get him down, um, that meant that tourists who had been at the top of the Eiffel Tower uh, were stranded for a time because they had to shut down the elevators and and so on. Everybody had to kind of shelter in place during this uh, emergency. So one guy who was visiting from Washington, D.C., saw it as the perfect opportunity to propose to his girlfriend. <laughs> Amir Khan had been planning to propose to his uh, girlfriend, Kat, later that day in a garden in Paris, followed by a romantic dinner uh, on the, the River Seine. When the elevators, though, were tempor- temporarily shut down because of the climber, uh, Mr. Khan decided the time was, was right to spring his surprise. Coincidentally, a reporter for the Associated Press was also stuck at the top of the tower when the whole thing happened, so he was there to capture the story. Uh, Mr. Khan told the reporter, I figured we might be here longer than I imagined, so I didn't want to miss dinner, and she always wanted to be proposed to on or under the Eiffel Tower, so I figured this is a sign. This This is my moment. By the way, yes, she did say yes. And uh, Kat said he had a pretty good chance of me saying yes a lot. (laughs) But they got a chuckle out of it. And uh, again, all's well that ends well. Love that story. What would you do if you got home from vacation and found your home was no longer there? A woman in Atlanta had that happened she she returned home from vacation to discover that someone had accidentally demolished her house demolished her house while she was on vacation susan hodge uh, hodgson uh, tells local news reporters that she received a call from her neighbor asking if she'd hired someone to tear down the house uh when she said no The neighbor said, well, there's someone over here who just demolished the entire house. Uh, Ms. Hodgson says that the workers got nasty when they were confronted, telling her to shut up and mind her own business. So she sent a family member who asked to see a permit, which is when the guy realized that he had the wrong address. looked at the permit and said oops and that's when they just packed everything up and left meanwhile the house was completely destroyed um she said hey the 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 grass is mowed the yard is clean the taxes are paid uh there were there's no reason why the city would have demolished the house uh and now she wants answers uh, she has sent a, uh, a, they, she has received a statement, uh, saying that the city is working to investigate the issue and, uh, trying to resolve the mishap. But how do you miss, how do you resolve that? Your house is destroyed while you're on vacation. You know what? That would make me never want to go, va- go on vacation again. You know what I mean? That would... I think I would be frightened to go on vacation ever again. Uh, Let's see. Speaking of mistaken identities, police in California are apologizing for a mistake in which uh, officers in Sacramento pulled over a pregnant woman and her eight-year-old son thinking that the child matched uh, matched the profile of a wanted man. (laughs) The eight-year-old was suspected of being wanted by authorities because he apparently matched the profile. Uh, Despite uh, complying with the instructions of the police, the mother was informed later that her son resembled someone that officers had been watching for for two years. Um, And that uh, that, uh, preliminary identity... uh, 
preliminarily been identified uh, due to his hair texture and his white shirt. His white shirt. They've been looking for this guy for two years, whoever this person was, for two years. But that was part of the description, that he had a white shirt. Like in two years, he wouldn't have changed his shirt. And a white shirt is pretty generic anyway. So, <laughs> I don't know. That just that just sounds, sounds weird somehow. And a couple of other items in the uh, broken news here this morning. Here's a job perk that you never heard of. Uh, Diana Cruz is a professional cleaner who works for a number of Airbnb people. You have an Airbnb. Individuals have Airbnbs that they rent, and they hire people to come in and clean after uh, people visit. Well, Diana Cruz is one of those people that, that comes in and cleans Airbnbs. She said she saves over $100 a month on groceries because of all of the food that guests leave behind. <laughs> she said she's been cleaning Airbnbs in Florida since quitting her office jobs, uh, and she says uh, she get, finds all kinds of leftovers that she gets to take home. Guests who check out leave beer, wine, eggs, bacon, and more behind, many times unopened and unused. Uh, she said when everything was going crazy with the price of eggs, you remember that? Uh, she said that helped us so much because we never had to buy them. <laughs> eggs left over the Airbnbs. If you ever wondered what happens. And we've done that. We've uh, you know stayed in an Airbnb and we've left food thinking we were leaving it for the next guest. No, as it turns out, you're just leaving them for the cleaning person. <laughs> and finally, in the uh, broken news this morning, Reverend Yaramir Shmezkal, and I think is how you pronounce it, Shmezkal, is a priest in the Czech Republic and is apologizing now for stomping on pumpkins that had been carved by children in his village. (laughs) Stomping on the pumpkins. He said he believed they were symbols of a satanic feast of Halloween, and he acted according to his duty to be a father and protector of children, and thus he destroyed the pumpkins. (laughs) Parents and children revolted. The kids having carved the pumpkins as part of Halloween events organized by the village, and some reportedly were in tears when they learned that their work had been destroyed. Other pumpkins that had been brought to the park by creative adults were also stomped on. <laughs> now, the, per- the per- priest has apologized. <laughs> Halloween nonsense there. There you go. Uh, some of the... Odd and unusual uh, items in the news. Today's broken news report. And with that, we now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. It's the most frightening time of the year. Join WFIN for live coverage of the 2023 Cops and Kids Finley Halloween Parade. Presented by Lone Depot. Our broadcast begins Tuesday night at 7. Parade coverage on WFIN presented by VisitFinley.com along with the support of Heavenly Pizza. The Halloween Parade is live on 1330 WFIN, WFIN WFIN.com and 95.5 FM. Time now for your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. So what did you get done over the weekend? And I guess the larger question is, how do you approach the weekend? Is it, you know, just to kind of be lazy or to actually be productive? I mean, what is your goal going into the weekend? Uh, Usually. And I, I understand everybody has those times when they want to have a lazy weekend and do nothing, right? But a new survey finds that 88% of adults actually look forward to getting tasks done more so on Sunday than Saturday, which I'm thinking is very different than it used to be. I mean, years ago, We'd think of Saturday as the day to get things done, and then we'd be lazy on Sunday uh, because not really looking forward to going back to work at the end of the weekend, so we'd just kind of be lazy on Sunday. Uh, Apparently, that has switched. 
these days. Sunday is the day to get things done. Uh, This was a a survey of 2,000 U.S. adults. 88% say they relish getting tasks done on Sunday. Uh, 64% believe that an early start on Sunday paves the way for a successful day. So we're up bright and early. We're getting after it on Sunday to get things done, which is kind of interesting. Now, here's the the thing that is interesting uh, in this poll, is that when you ask, when you dig down and ask people what defines a productive day over the weekend, the definition varies. 36% say getting items, scratching items off our to-do list is what they mean when they say they're being productive on Sundays. 36%. Uh, completing their to-do lists. 29% said a productive day is just spending quality time with loved ones. So, I don't know, would you call that productive? I guess some people do. They didn't define that as as being productive uh, on the uh, the weekend, just spending quality time with loved ones. 28% say meal prepping. And again, I'm thinking this is this says something about where we are as a society, that meal prepping, making a homemade meal, is considered being productive on the weekend because we so rarely do that during the week anymore. So 28% said meal prepping is their definition of being productive on the weekend. Another 28% said running errands. Again, maybe there's those errands that you have put off during the course of the week. say getting adequate rest. And they consider that being productive. (laughs) Again, it used to be we'd just call that being lazy. But now that's being productive. Again, probably because we don't get adequate rest during the week. We're so busy uh, with other things that that becomes a productive way of spending your weekend for 17%. Uh, Interestingly, for two out of three respondents in the poll, two out of three people say accomplishing just one task was enough to call it a productive day. (laughs) So again, it's not doing all of the above. It is not even scratching everything off of your to-do list. Just doing one thing, accomplishing one thing over the weekend is enough to uh, call it a productive weekend. And Sunday more so the day than Saturday. Make of that what you will. So is your house haunted? This time of year, every little creak and groan grabs our attention. But if you are hearing those strange sounds around your home, it's probably not a sign of otherworldly spirits at work. It's more likely just a sign of some overdue maintenance. uh, Thumbtack home care expert David Steckel joins us this morning. David, what are some of the most common issues that homeowners will encounter that can maybe make their homes feel haunted this time of year? Well, the good news is, is that I know the exact answer to that. We recently conducted a survey and almost 50% of folks said that at one point or another, they felt that their home was haunted. <laughs> and the, the main sort of causes for that that bubbled up were almost again, half of them because doors close unexpectedly, mm-hmm. 40% because of noises behind the walls. And almost 28%, and, and I hate to say it, but my wife is included there, thought that their house was at least scary because of creaky floors. Mm. Now, here's the, the good news is that many of these things are really easily fixed. That, that's the truth. It doesn't have to be scary if you get ahead of these things. And so, for example, when a door is closing, the odds are that the hinge just needs to be adjusted. The house might have settled, the house moves over time. So as the house settles, the door alignment might have gone out of alignment. And so all you need to do is adjust the hinge. And if you're comfortable with basic tools, this could be a fun DIY project to just tackle. 
if lights are flickering, which is another one of the reasons why people get a little bit irked about their homes, the one of the cases there that bubbles to the top is LED bulbs. So they're incredibly cost effective and they're better for the environment. They don't work with older dimmers. So you might mm. need to upgrade your dimmer to an LED compatible dimmer. Okay. What are some of the other uh, ways to get rid of uh, some of those uh, ghosts, uh, if you will, in our home once and for all? So there's, well, one is really speaking to Thumbtack whenever you have an issue. So as they get more complex, you're going to need to have a specialist on your side. And if a, you're hearing noises behind the wall, it might be any one of a number of things. It could be you might have some pests that have made their way into the home and they're breeding and they're running around. It might be because of the, the plumbing water lines or the stack might not have been fixed to the studs properly. And every time you have water flowing through it, it rattles a little bit. Mm. So you're going to want to reach out and speak to a specialist because you don't want to have a pest control person come and pay them if the plumbing is the problem. Right. Um, you know, one of the other things, and this is very typical this time of year uh, as well, are those drafty areas uh, in our homes. Um, again, we feel a little bit of a chill and we think, oh, there's a ghost, but it's just a, a drafty area. Maybe uh, sealing up the windows or uh, adding some insulation would be a, a fairly easy fix. Yeah, usually the drafts are often from the door. So there's weather stripping that you could put around the door. Mm -hmm. There are lots of different types of weather stripping. Um, as you were talking about sort of those drafts, there's also some whistling that you might hear in the home. And that could be, there might be some holes in the masonry or there might be some holes and it might be an older home that didn't have um, insulation and vapor barriers. So like that, as the wind gets had to go through a smaller and smaller hole, it creates that whistling sound. But if you have any drafts or any cold areas, you should get on that because you're spending money on heating. Mm -hmm. And the tighter that you make your home, the less you're going to spend. And that uh, can be really scary these days with the way the cost of everything is going up. So uh, to keep with this uh, sort of uh, scary haunted theme here. Now you mention that uh, thumb, uh, Thumbtack can help homeowners tackle some of these uh, routine and maybe not so routine home repairs. How does it work? So you just download the app like millions of other homeowners across the U.S. and every zip code and every county. And we'll tell you and help you understand what you need to do, when you need to do it, like what time of year, mm -hmm. um, why you need to do it, like why is it important to clean your gutters, and again, most importantly, we're going to introduce you to the right pro that wants to help you do that job that already works in your neighborhood. Uh, where do we get uh, more information? How do we uh, learn more about uh, that uh, particular resource for folks? Yeah, you go, to, you go to the App Store and download Thumbtack. Or mm -hmm. in this case, for Halloween, we have a special promotion where you go to thumbtack.com slash haunted. And you, that's our haunted house hotline there. You can call in and speak to a home expert. You can talk about anything around your home. It could be repairs. It could be upgrades. We're here to help and set you up for success. So uh, everything from maybe giving homeowners a little bit of extra confidence with respect to the DIY stuff to steering people to the right person for the job when they uh, are encountering something that may be a little bit beyond their wheelhouse. Again, Thumbtack, home care expert David Steckel is with us this morning. David, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Happy Halloween. And that will wrap up our podcast for today. I want to thank all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. And remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each and every day on the program at our webpage. That, of course, being goodmornings.net. Be sure to check us out online. Until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.